Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are God is good. And all the time, God is good. As you take your seat, we're going to get into the Word of God today. Let's give a hand, one more hand for our worship team. Thank you. That seems like you guys weren't happy with worship. Right? Right? It seems like they weren't happy. Nah, we, you know, it takes a lot, man. Next Sunday, they'll sit down and you guys come up here and worship. It's hard, man. It's hard. Hey, amen. Today, our message is titled, write this down. Write this down in your notebook there, in your phone, however you write notes. Write this down. Love obeys. Look at that person next to you. Tell them, love obeys. Love obeys. Love obeys. Love obeys. We're going to start off in our second um, installment of our series, of our love series. And if you've caught it, you've recognized that, that we have... Uh, broken down the word love as an acronym L-O-V-E we spell love L-O-V-E here how many of you still spell love L-U-V shame on you anyone? love it's love with an O-E O-V-E love remember that song I think I did that last week I'm not going to do that I'm not going to sing that song again forget it so many songs on love Then you know a song on love? you know any songs on the top of your head? Keep it pure, keep it holy. Love, real love. The love never fails and never gives up. got biblical on it. Never, never goes out of me. Yeah. Your the love, love never fails uh. and never gives up. Never runs out on me. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. L-O-V-E. Love, 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 love. That's what we're going to talk about. Love obeys. Love obeys. Let's get ready to get into the word. Everyone give a hand to Danny. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I thought he was going to continue to break it down. Last week, as we, we went into this, uh, the first uh, installment of this uh, message here, and we looked at love, we looked at the life of Samuel, the life of Samuel, and how he went from boy to man, boy to man. And he had to learn to listen. And we discussed that, that love, it motivates action. And if you're taking notes and you did not write that down last week, Go ahead and write it down now. Maybe you weren't here last week. Write it down today. Love motivates action. I encourage you to go back and, 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 and listen to last week's podcast. Download our app. Listen to last week's podcast. And, and really get an understanding of how we're flowing through this message, these messages of love. As we went into it, we discussed that as love motivates action, and we talked about the importance of how love listens. How many of you remember that? The importance of how love listens. That not, not just that we hear, but that we purposely, purposely pay attention, being aware of God's word for us. That we listen to God's word. This verb, this action that we were speaking of, listening, it, it brings forth, and this is what I'm going to introduce today. It brings forth another action. And the word that we talk about today and we will talk about is the word obey or obedience. Amen. If there is a love that is listening, then I'm here to tell you that then there is a love that obeys. You should write that down. There's a love that obeys. 
that just as love listens, we need to know that love also obeys. Say it one more time. Love obeys. Love obeys. It's good. It's good. And because of this love in us, through Christ and for Christ, listen to his word and his will for our lives. And then it's followed to live it out in this full obedience. We live it out and we obey him. I want to share a quote or a passage um, of writing from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I've quoted him many times here. Many of you that know me personally, I've, I've even recommended his biography from Eric Metaxas, The Life of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. But I want you to, to read. It's pretty long, uh, but just read it with, well, I'll read it and follow along with me. And catch what Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes. He passed away. He was a martyr. Um, he was in a Nazi concentration camp, and he was eventually killed. He was a theologian, um, and he was a martyr for Jesus. An interesting man. Um, this Dietrich Bonhoeffer, very big in discipleship. Um, he, he took the gospel to the point of his death until the, the, Nazi, the Nazis kind of took him in and, and killed him. But, but let's read this. It says, he says this, that dying of the old man, that dying of the old man, which is the result of his encounter with Christ, as we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with his death. Amen? Amen. And as we give over our lives to death, since this happens at the beginning of the Christian life, the cross can never be merely a tragic ending to an otherwise happy religious life. When Christ calls a man, and this was his quote, this was what he lived by. In every book that he wrote, in every, every place that he spoke at, and every person that he mentored and discipled, he, he basically taught them what this meant. And here it is. When Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. How many of you feel God's calling you? <laughs> okay, he's calling you to come and die. Can you imagine that? Welcome to Discipleship 101. It may be a death like that of the first disciples who had to leave home and work to follow him. Or it may be a death like Luther's who had to leave the monastery and go out into the world. But it's the same death every time. Death in Jesus Christ, the death of the old man at his call. That is why the rich young man was so loath to follow Jesus, for the cost of his affections and lust. But we do not want to die, and therefore Jesus Christ and his call are necessarily our death and, listen to this, and our life. When you really read this, I know we don't have too much time to go into this because I want to get into the word but if, when you see this, and you would recognize that if you're a follower of Christ, you would agree with this. And, and this is pretty much what he's saying here. And you would agree with this, that our call to follow Christ, to obey what he has called us to, there in that call that Christ has called us to obey, in that call, there you will find your daily life and your daily death. Anyone that follows Christ would admit that. If you're like, nah, whatever, we'll have a meeting later. But if you're a follower of Christ, you know very well that there is a daily death in your life. And there's a daily resurrection in your life. That's the truth, man. And that's what Dietrich Bonhoeffer is saying. And the reason why there's this daily death and daily life, it's because of the encounter that we have. And not only we had, but that we are still having with Jesus Christ because of our love. We are having an encounter. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Are you in Christ? So how are your encounters with Christ? I'm, in, I'm married and I'm in love. So you know what? I have encounters with my wife. No? 
Okay, I'm going to make sure you guys understand what I'm talking about. Read between the lines. My love for my wife causes me to have encounters with her. Did you know that? My love for God caused me to have encounters. You didn't... When you come to Christ, you don't just have that one encounter and let, use that as your testimony. I have a testimony to share about my encounter one time with God. No, what do you mean one time? Your encounter with God are going deeper every single day. Your encounters with God are more valuable every single day. Your encounters with God are richer every single day. You're going deeper with him, more intimate with him. You know deeper secrets of him. I'll tell you what. Getting close to my nine years of marriage, I promise you, I am deeper with my wife now. I know more about my wife now in my ninth year than I did on my ninth day. And the reason why is because I gradually, gradually continue to live in the encounter of being married. Not just we walked down the aisle, we said I do. We had one fun night in our honeymoon and hey, there's no more encounters and we no longer know each other. No way, are you kidding me? If I'm married to God, you better believe it. I walked down the aisle. We said, I do. We walked away. And my gosh, our bed is being made every day. Me and God, we are in love. And there are encounters every single day between me and God. That is what? Getting me and making me and pushing me deeper. I know God more today in my mid-30s than when I knew God in my early 20s. And the reason why is because my encounters didn't stop on the day that I said a prayer that someone told me to repeat after. Because that's just religious if it dies there. But my encounter with God goes deep on the high moments and in the low moments. In the dark and when the sun hits, I have encounters with God. That's who we are. That's who we need to be and... And that's, that's it, man. And you've lived this and you've learned that your love in Jesus and for Christ is at its fullest when you obey. When you obey. When you obey. Can you imagine in my marriage if I just stopped disobeying my wife? Like, nah. It's not going to obey what marriage means anymore. I'm going to be cut off from my marriage. When you've lived and you've learned what this love in Christ and for Christ is all about, there is this pleasure in you, right? When you walk out and live in obedience to him. It's like, I'm making beloved happy. I've made it a thing to do this, and, and, and I fail a lot, and I'm, I'm not a perfect husband. But at least I've done one thing that I've, I've made to do. My, my wife loves flowers. Men. Learn what people like, not just your wives, but learn what people like and learn how to serve people with what they like. Whether you're married or you're not married. So I've, I've noticed that my wife always hinted to me like, I like flowers. <laughs> I, I like to have flowers every once in a while on a vase, like recycling them, bringing in a new batch, you know, not just on a special occasion. So I have my phone, I, I, I do something and I have a list and and every time now, and Jackson's part of it, and he, he, he helps me give it to mom. And, and we recognize every time we go to Publix, we're going to stop and we're going to get some flowers from mom. We don't go home with groceries if we don't go home with flowers. And then when you do something like that, there's something about you like, I just want to give it to her already. It's so, so funny, right? I just want to give it to her. I want to give her the flowers already. And see if she just lays one on me. Just a, a nice kiss on her husband, you know? You know, when I give it to her, she doesn't like, oh, man. She didn't. Like, the flowers, did you like them? Do you want me to put on the vase for you? 
I'm going to stop there. But, but the truth is, there's something good in walking in obedience to the one in whom you love. If you love people, and you have a set of friends, or if you have a spouse, whoever is around you, family, you could be sensitive to those things. And here we are in a relationship with God, and if you're in God and you've experienced this love in and for him, you recognize that you are at your fullest when you live in the obedience of Christ. And it's not that your obedience to Christ produces love. You should write that down. Your obedience to Christ will never produce love. I want to make sure I say this and I say it clear. Here it is. But it's your love for Christ that produces obedience. Come on. That's it. We're done. Thank you, Lord. The worship team. I just think that would be crazy. But your love for Christ produces obedience. Produces. I ob- why, do you, why are you so like faithful to God? Like, you're so religious. No, I'm so in love. What the heck you mean religious? Why are you so like involved with the things of God? You're, you're like one of those fanatics. No, I'm, I'm radically in love with him. Do you understand that when you've been radically touched by God's love, you're not a fanatical religious person. You're a fanatical lover of God. Totally different. And because of your love for him, it produces your life now to live in every single day, in every single aspect to obey him in all that you do. Do you fall at times? Do you have shortcomings at times? Heck yeah, man. We do it in our, in our relationships, in our friendships, in our marriages. We fall, man. We fail. I mean, you better be careful with how far you fall from that grace. You know what I'm talking about. But you fall and you fail and you mess up and you forget the flower. What, what happened to the flowers? You went to public. Oh, man. You know, Jackson acted up in public. But the true obedience, when, when you recognize true obedience, man, there, there's this thing about, man, I'm going to obey God and I'm going to obey others and live for others because I recognize that, that if I'm going to live, if love really obeys obedience, if love obeys obedience, then I recognize that, that part of obeying means dying to myself. There's no way that I can live in the obedience of Christ while still living, still living in the pleasures of my flesh. There's no way that I could be obedient to Christ while still living in the desires, desires of my sinful nature. It does not make sense. If I'm going to live in true obedience, I have to then choose to die to myself. Is that true or false? The word obedience, if you haven't noticed, it has the word die in it. O-B-E-D-I-E. And I think he wants to obey and die. Obey and die. Die to yourself. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. Jesus says to his very own followers, his very own disciples, Matthew 6, 24. He said, if anyone desires, everyone say desires. Right. To come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Deny yourself. Die to yourself. You desire me? You desire the honeymoon. You desire to be with me. You desire to go deep with me. Yes, 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 Lord. I desire this intimacy with you. Dope. Take up your cross. Deny yourself and follow me. Well, yeah, obedience means death to self. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. And those who are Christ have 
crucified the flesh with its passions and with its desires. When you crucify something, you're calling that thing to cru- that you are crucifying to die. You guys are with me? Every once in a while, give me like a like a yes and amen. One cup is good. I get a little scared when I just see this. See, so important that if I'm going to live in obedience, that there's a, there's a death that is constant. Did you remember what I started with? Let's go back. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I'm not going to read the whole quote. But, but I said this, that if you are a follower of Christ, you would agree with this, that our call to follow Christ, to obey what he has called you to, there you will find daily death and daily life. Did you catch that? Daily death means what? Daily dying to yourself and daily life means what? Daily living in obedience for himself. That's why I mentioned that quote in the beginning. How many of you want to live? Right, it starts with dying. No, you guys didn't like that one. Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> no, man. We have so many teachings, you know, that we've shared here at, at our nest in regards to this one point. Uh, I mean, we have, we have chewed and, 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 and just massacred the text of the rich young ruler here at church. How he chose to stay with all of his wealth and all his possessions rather than to obey Christ, the rich young ruler. Very popular story. And, and the Bible says it, right, that he was left with sorrow. We're not going to get into that. We've been there so many times. We've learned of Saul. Saul disobeys God and, and Samuel's word to him from God. Samuel says, destroy all the Amalekites. Remember Samuel? Boy, now he's a man. And he tells King Saul, destroy all the Amalekites, all of them. The king, dude, look how crazy God is. Look how serious God is in obeying him. That he tells Saul this. He says, when you go and destroy the Amalekites, like, don't leave anything alive. Oh, like, what do you mean? I'm talking about everything. Like, what? Everything and everyone. I'm talking about even their cattle. Everything. Destroy it all. Everything. Just, just let, be obedient to me. You guys, I don't know if you know the rest of that story. Samuel comes to peep and to see what Saul has done. And he comes over here. And he's like, hey, Saul, how'd it go? We did good. We destroyed the Amalekites. Check. Israel's number one. And he's like, you did, huh? He's like, yeah. Why is the king of the Amalekites here? Well, I figured we could do something cool with him. Like, I don't know. I just kept him around just to see maybe we could use him for some stuff. I don't know. We could figure something out with him. And Samuel says, you disobeyed him. You see, you might have thought that you obeyed him in everything else. But just because you chose on your own to disobey him in that one thing and just saving the king, you have fully disobeyed him. And because of that, I'm, the God is stripping you from your kingdom and he's going to give your kingdom to a greater than, man than you. Young David, come over here. I'm going to go and anoint you as king now. Do you, know that, do you know that Saul and his lineage, they never, Saul's, um, gener- the generations from Saul never had another king. Now, another king on the throne of Israel was from Saul's line. Everyone say, why? Because this. Partial, write this down, partial disobedience is still full. Now, rewind. Partial obedience is still full disobedience. That's why. Ah, but God could have maybe had his grandson become the king when they know. Partial Obedience is still full disobedience. Let's go back to Christ. Let's go back to our relationship. Partial obedience is still full disobedience. 
You know what Samuel told Saul? Check this out, guys. 1 Samuel 15, 22, the NLT says it this way. Check this out. <clears throat> what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? What does he say next? Love what? Love what? Listen. Obedience. Listen. Obey. Listen. Obey. Next week we'll do V and the other one we'll do E. But listen. Obedience is better than your sacrifice. Do you understand what that's saying? Oh, but I give to the Lord. But I give of myself and I give of my money and I give of my... Right. All those things are good. Don't, don't necessarily stop giving. But if you think for once that your giving and your sacrifice and your offering is greater than your obedience, it's not. Actually, your obedience is what gives your sacrifice weight. Actually, your obedience is what gives your sacrifice the aroma. It's, it's living in the obedience, giving him the giving, and then in that when he receives the smoke of my giving up to his altar, then in that obedience is when he says, man, that smells good because it was, good, it was given through proper obedience. What good sacrifice is there if there is not an obedience behind that sacrifice? Well, I killed everything, but I, but I, but I just kept this one thing behind. We're going to get to that about holding things behind. I don't want to get to that point yet, but you're going to remember this story in about 10 minutes. The truth is we can't live our lives obeying him partially and pretend or even deceive ourselves. Listen to this. To believe, to believe that we are truly obeying him. Well, I thought I was obeying him. This phrase of, but that's what all the other Christians are doing, does not fit in relationship with God. Because I can't go up to my wife and say, well, that's what the other husbands are doing. Well, guess what? None of those other husbands are my husband. So I can't come to Christ and say, well, that's what all the other Christians are doing. No, no, no. You're my beloved. Don't worry about everyone else. This is me and you now talking. Love obeys. You guys are getting this, I hope. You know, we can't do that. Partial obedience is still full disobedience. I keep talking about, because I can relate it to me and my wife, telling our significant others, you know, I've been faithful and I've been obedient. I never went all the way with them. All we did was just flirt a little bit. All we did was just flirt a little bit. Listen, the reality is this, ready? There is no room for flirting. There's no room for that stuff. There's no room for eye winking. The Bible says to get away from the person that winks their eye. Stray from them. Eye winkers, not good people. Psh, you wink your eye a little too much my way. <laughs> it's not an option. And, and, and here we, we find this relationship with God. Flirting is not an option. There is no room for partial obedience, not even a little. It could bring great harm to my life. Study Proverbs 7. See what, see what a little flirting does. Study Proverbs 7 when you get home. Write that in your notes. I'm going to go home and study Proverbs 7. A Christian who lives in partial obedience, it's someone who says this, I'm in, oh, this is good. I'm, I remember when I wrote this down, God really sh like moved me in a second. It says, I'm, this is the kind of person that says, I'm in it for the benefits, but don't ask me to expect, don't expect me to fully commit. A, 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 someone who calls themselves a Christian, but yet lives in partial obedience, says this, I'm in it for the benefits, but don't expect me to fully commit. What? There is no way any relationship could ever work with saying, I want benefits, but don't expect commitment. 
Because the only way that you will stay committed is through obedience. It goes through the channel of obedience. Commitment, it's impossible if it doesn't enter through the channel of obedience. You guys are with me with that. So we need to be very careful that that's not us in Christ. How shameful it is to be in union for the purpose of receiving the benefits rather than being in a union that expresses your love by your obedience. I'm going to say it again. How shameful to be in a union for the purpose of receiving benefits rather than being in union that expresses your love by your obedience. Those are two different kinds of people. Two different kinds of people. I don't want to go to heaven. I don't want to come to Christ to just go to heaven. I want to come to Christ so that heaven could come to me. I want Christ to come to me. I want Christ to erupt. I don't want the benefits of heaven. I want heaven to live in me. I want to be rocked now. I want to be intimate now. I want things to be different in me now. I want to see sin and be disgusted in it. I want to see people broken and try to heal them. I want to see the sick and lay hands on them. I want a piece of heavens now in me. I don't want to just, oh, yeah, I accepted Jesus so that I could get there. The Christian says what? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy Bring heaven to earth. We're not waiting to get to heaven. And that's, that's who we are. I, I don't want to live for the purpose of receiving benefits, but I want to live here on earth. Like, I don't want to obey when I'm in heaven. That's too late. I want to obey here. Why? Because I want that when we all go to eternity, hey, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Staying faithful and obedient is hard. Oh, I have no sinners in the room? It's hard at times. Temptation's difficult at times. Things are, to be a Christian in this world nowadays, it is rough sometimes. And if, and if I stay the course to the day that I die, and if I make it to the end like Paul says, I don't want this little weak celebration. I want eternity to echo my life on earth in eternity. I want the world to know that there was a man that stayed faithful through every opposition because of his love and his obedience to the one who is called Christ. I don't want this weak little thing. I don't want this little weak Christianity. I don't want this. I just want to live right so I can make it to heaven. The heck with that. I want to live right so that heaven can make it here to earth. Man. Just think about that for a moment. Think about what that means to us. Think about what that means to you. You know how you could definitely tell if someone loves someone else. And the way that you could tell if someone loves someone else is by witnessing them live out obedience to that which or whom they love. If I tell you I love God, but you hang out with me tonight, and I do things that do not demonstrate I love God, you better believe and discern that I really don't love God. Because if not, I will stop disobeying God. This world is rough. This world is tough. I mean, we have, we have marriages that are, people that are about to get married in here that have, I'm going to be very, like, this is love month, right? We have people in here 
young people, older people that have waited to get married to have any kind of intercourse. Why? Because they love something greater than that. The rest of the world is like, dude, girl, you're going to marry them anyways. Just do it. That is the the spirit of the world. You know why I don't do it? Because I love him more than him. I love him more than her. There are people in here that are restrained from certain things that they struggle with because their love for God is that much greater And you want a weak celebration when you get to heaven? You've been obedient. Love obeys. Love obeys. Love obeys. Love obeys. I could go down the list of what many of us in this place. It's not just sexual stuff, man. There's so many different things that we are being obedient to. For the one whom we call beloved, the one whom we call Christ. I'm telling you guys today that people know you love Jesus by how you obey him, by how you obey his word, by how you obey his teachings. Amen? One of the definitions of obey, if you're writing notes, it's to submit to the authority of. When someone says, well, I just can't, I just, I just say, you just have a problem with submitting to authority. That's all it is. <laughs> well, just, you don't like authority. Submit to the authority of, commit, obey. We don't really love if we live disobedient to the one we say we love. Write this down. You express love. Write it down again. You express love by obedience. You express love by obedience. Can you say that with me? I express love by obedience. Amen. It's your love for Christ that produces that obedience. Amen? Amen. True love obeys. You know what the Bible says in the book of James? Check this out, guys. The book of James. It says, don't fool your... I'm going to read from the message real quick. Don't fool yourselves into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but. Letting the word go in one ear, out the other. Act on what you what? Hear. Act on what you listen to. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later they have no idea who they are and what they even look like. The New King James says, verse 22, this way, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Don't don't live your life deceived. Can I share some things with you? Here it is. Ready? We are not a people. Say, I'm not a people. Here it is. Don't repeat this, but here it goes. Ready? We are not a people that envy all while professing we love God. We are not people that boast and are filled with pride all while professing we love God. We are not a people that are rude while professing we love God. We are not people that are self-seeking while saying we love God. We are not people that are always live irritated while saying we love God. We are not a people that rejoiced in sin while professing we love God. We are not a people that keep a grudge or unforgiveness in our hearts while professing we love God. You know, that's biblical. We shared that in midweek last Wednesday. 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, he tells us love is patient and it is kind. It is not jealous or boastful or proud. Love is not rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when truth comes out and wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful, endures through the very every circumstance. Love will last forever. Love never fails. The, the world is everything else, envious and boastful and rude and self-seeking and irritated, right? Aren't, isn't everyone irritated? You're, you're a Christian, you voted for Trump, and you're a Christian, and you voted for Hitler. Who cares already? I'm not going to go on that rant. Let's keep going. Where's love in the midst of all of this stuff? Because it's not rude. It's not irritated. True love is, doesn't rejoice in sin. True love doesn't keep grudges. True love is not envious. It's everything opposite the Bible teaches us. And in all of that, we need to obey all those things. We need to recognize that if I love this God whom I say I love, then I what? Then I obey this God in whom I say I love. And part of my obedience is I, it is patient, my love. It is kind. It is not jealous. It is not boastful. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not irritated. It does not give up. It does not lose faith. It is always hopeful. It endures to the very end. I know that this love lasts forever. I get this. I'm going to obey in all these things because my love for him obeys in these things. Amen? Man. Love. We really need to recognize what true love is. What Christ's love is. Last week when we spoke about Samuel's life, you guys remember that? Samuel, and he walks to Eli's room in the house of God in the temple. Hey, you call me, Eli's sleeping, and Eli's like, boy, <laughs> go back to bed. Samuel, second time, Eli, I know you're sleeping, I know you're old, I know you're blind, because he couldn't see. The Bible says it. The Bible says it. He was losing his sight. Oh, okay. can't believe you called him blind. No, it was... Um, you call me, second time you come and wake me up, you know, boy, go back to bed. The third time, um, Eli, you know, you keep calling my name. I don't want to get into that message. Go, go back and hear the podcast. But he said, and finally, Eli hit him and he said, I know exactly what's happening here. God's speaking to you. Go back and when you hear that again, say, Lord, your servant listens. You know, speak to me. So, so God, be, uh, I'm going to fast forward now, ready? Because I didn't share this part last week because I wanted to share it at the end of today's message. So here it is, ready? I'm going to go back to Samuel's life. The Lord calls him a third time, a fourth time, whatever. Samuel, yes, Lord, your servant is here. He listens. Speak to me. And God says, this is what I want you to do. <laughs> You'll be amazed of what God wanted boy Samuel to do. Do you know what it is? To confront a very respectable man, to confront his very own mentor, his very own pastor, his very own leader. He was to take the word of God and present it before Eli, who mentored him. So let's just read it. I'm going to read from the message, verses 10 through 16. Ready? Verse 10 says, Then God came and stood before him exactly as before, calling out, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, I'm your servant, ready to listen. So God said to Samuel, listen carefully. I'm getting ready to do something in Israel that is going to shake everyone up. I love that, right? When God says, I'm going to shake things up. Shift. That's how we started our year. Shift. I'm going to get their attention. 
The time has come for me to bring down, oh, look at this, on Eli's family, everything I warned him of. Wait a minute. I don't think I want to listen anymore. You're, you're talking about my mentor, my leader. Yes, speak these words to Eli. Ready? Every last word of it, I'm letting him know that the time's up. I'm bringing judgment on him, on his family for good. This is serious, man. He knew what, he, he knew what was going on. He knew that his sons were desecrating God's name and God's place, and he did nothing to stop them. You know what his sons were doing? The sons of the priest, they were in the house of God, defiling the house of God, doing perverted things in God's house. And Eli, who was in charge of God's house, ignored it, did not do nothing. And guess what happened to him? His judgment was going to come. Because you didn't do anything. Sometimes we think we need to what, commit sin, but some of the greatest sins that we do commit is the ones that we don't do anything about. You don't have to commit sin. Because easily, you could stay put, and in that, you could commit sin. So Eli committed sin because he didn't do nothing about his children. Let's keep going. He did nothing to stop them. This is my sentence. <laughs> He's going to give him a sentence. On the family of Eli. The evil of Eli's family can never be wiped out by sacrifice or offering. Did you catch that? I don't care if he offers a million rams. I can't. I can't forgive him. Verse 15, Samuel stayed in bed until morning, and then he rose early, and he went about his duties. You know very well what Samuel was doing, right? Eli gets up. He's like, oh, my God, he's there. Samuel, Eli, how you doing, buddy? You know, he's like, I don't really want to tell him this, God. So Samuel stays in bed until morning, raises up early in the morning, goes about his duties, opening the doors of the sanctuary, but he dreaded having to tell this vision to Eli. I can't believe that I'm going to have to tell this to this old man who's like a mentor, who's like a father, who's like a, he's a pastor to me. What do I tell him? But, but then Eli, notice, notice this, right? Samuel didn't find the courage to go to him yet. So, so here is the choice that needed to be made. Ready? Eli calls Samuel and says, Samuel, my son. And Samuel comes running. Yes, you know very well when he comes running, he's out of breath. Yes, what, what's wrong? Why are you out of breath? Why do you look so nervous? Don't ask me that. What can I do for you, Eli? And then look what Eli says. Ready? What did he say? Tell me. Tell me. Tell it to me. All of it. Don't suppress and don't soften one word. As God is your judge, I want it all. Word for word as he said it to you. That would be pretty cool, right? If we could be Christians like that. Lord, I want it all. Word for word, speak your word to me. Destroy the things in my life that need to be destroyed already. You know what? If it... If it this is scary to pray this, right? If sin needs to be exposed to make me holier, expose my sin so that I could be holier. Wow. So Samuel tells him, but look how he tells him. How does he tell him? How does he tell him? It's coming. Word for word. But I love the next part. He held back nothing. He held back nothing. He held back nothing. I can't think of a better way to describe what obedience is than this right here. Ready? He held back nothing. That should be the definition of obedience, holding back nothing. To hold back nothing. After Samuel listened to God, 
He was left with a choice to obey or to disobey. And Samuel tells Eli everything. He obeys and he holds back nothing. I want you to know this. Obedience, man, it is love in action. And this is the truth. What is holding us back or maybe you back in this love affair with Jesus Christ? What's holding you back? The encounters that I was talking about? What's holding you back? Because the love you say, the love you have for the Lord will never live out fully or in full obedience to him as long as you hold things back. Do you know that if me and my significant, if we go into something while holding things back from one another, come on, how deep is our relationship serious? But when she has all of me and I have all of her as he has all of me and I could have all of him, that is where... Oh, man, my fullness is found. The love you say and you have for the Lord will never live out to fully obey him as long as you hold things back. You should know that. Holding nothing back, that's what obedience is. Love obeys. And if you've heard the Lord and you've decided today to listen to him, today to obey, then you've recognized this truth. Obedience, obedience is love. Obedience is love in action. You need to commit to this. You need to obey. Love obeys. Love obeys. Love obeys. Love obeys. You've ever struggled with obeying? You have kids? They've ever struggled with obeying? Love obeys. We have a great example about love obeying. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, it says this. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as a what? Come on, let that really sink in your heart. As a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage that they've done to our relationship with God. Love obeys. Love obeys so much that Jesus said, I'm going to obey to the point of death. And in my obedience, my beloved will have life. Love is not a feeling. You could say you've fallen in and out of love as much as you want with each other and with God. Suck it up. Love is not a feeling. The reality is love is an action. It's a verb more than anything. It's biblical obedience here. Love is not just sexual things. That could very easily turn into lust, which is totally opposite of what true love is. 
But in this passage, we see that Jesus perfectly, he demonstrated to us, the beloved, the church, that love is obedience. And he said, I have the authority to tell you to live in obedience because I lived in love with obedience for you. And he did this by doing the will of the Father. But he specifically did this when he died on the cross for you and I. Because love obeys. You remember Satan's words to Jesus when he was being tempted? If you're the son of God, jump off. Send his angels. Tell his angels to come and rescue you. Remember those words? How about when they beat him up so bad and he couldn't see no one and they kicked him in the face and they say, if you are the prophet that you say you are, if you are the son of God, prophesy who just hit you. How about when he's on the cross and they're mocking him and they say, if you are the son of God, call God's angels, call legions to come and rescue from the cross. You know what Jesus does? He doesn't say a word. He doesn't say a word. Okay. He doesn't say a word. He doesn't say a word. I'm going to go back to Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He says, what is the extraordinary? Is it the love of Jesus Christ himself? And then he answers it. What is the extraordinary? It is the love of Jesus Christ. It's love that goes to the cross in suffering obedience. John 15, 19 through 14, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. And he tells you today, remain in my love. When you obey, you catch that? Love, obey my commandments. And you remain in love. Your obedience will cause you to remain in love. You, you obey because you love me. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and I remain in his love, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Our joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend, for each other, or even for him. You, my friends, if you do what I command. Here it is. Love. Love obeys. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. As we close off, I know God has spoken to hopefully all of us. But I think you've gotten what God is speaking to our hearts. And that is a true obedience. True obedience. Man, it is produced because of a love that we originally have for God. And true obedience chooses us to daily die to self so that we could fully live to him. And I believe that as we're about to enter this week, wherever you're at in life, you've just read through the text that you have a valentine. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he loved you. And he chose to show you that love by giving his life as a sacrifice for you. He loves you. And he is our greatest example of this love. 
a love that obeys. If you know that God has called you for deeper, for once and for all, to finally live in obedience, to walk in obedience, to commit to this love that you say you have. If God is calling you to this, we're going to worship the Lord one more time. If you need prayer, come up. Come up and say, I know God's called me to this. Obedience. A love that obeys. A love that obeys. The altar is open. Let's worship the Lord. And give it to the Lord. Surrender it all. Everything that was shared today. Say, Lord, today my love, my love chooses to obey from this day forward.